Well, good morning. Woo! I got a stack of notes a mile high because there's so much in the Bible about witnessing. There's so much to get to and uh, so little time. <laughs> and so you pray for me as we're teaching on being a biblical witness um, because there's so much to it. There really is. But yet it's one of the most simple things in the world. But yet the Bible has so much to say on it. And so um, I don't know what all we'll get to today, honestly. I don't know where God will take this. And so we just got to pray and ask God to lead this, lead this teaching, that it would be exactly what we need. And God is faithful to, to guide us on exactly what we need. God is real. And he knows what we need. Let's let's go to him in prayer. And you guys pray as I'm praying that God would meet with us this morning and give we what, give us what we need. Lord God, we come before you this morning to open your words, Lord, and to hear from you, Lord, not from me. Well, Lord, we don't want to hear from me. We want to hear from you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to have mercy on us, Lord, and feed us, Lord God. Lord, guide this teaching, Lord, guide the preaching, Lord God, that it would be helpful, Lord, and edify your church, Lord God, to give us a burden for the lost souls, Lord, to equip us, Lord God, to go out into a lost and dying world and be a witness, Lord, for you and to testify of what you have done for us, Lord God. You've been so good to us, Lord. Lord, we don't want to sit around and, and as your word says, hide the light, Lord, we want, to, we want to go forth with the light of the gospel, Lord, and we want to do it in a way, Lord, that would be glorifying to you. We don't want to do it in the flesh. Yes. Lord, you said the flesh dwell and, and the flesh dwelleth no good thing, Lord God, and we don't want to just go about in the flesh. We want you to, to shine through us, Lord God, even though we're unworthy, Lord. We want to be obedient to you this morning, Lord. We want you to teach us, Lord. Just hide me, Lord, behind the cross. Hide me, Lord, behind your words, Lord. Help me, Lord, to preach right now, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that it wouldn't be my words that were preached or taught this morning, Lord God, but your words, that you'd put your words in my mouth, Lord God. Help me not to say anything I ought not to say, Lord. Help me to mind you, Lord God. Help me to follow you to feed your people this morning, and this is what we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to do a real quick recap, and it seems like the recaps are getting to be quite long, but it's so important that you say, well, I've heard all this before. Well, good. Maybe it'll get into your head. If you're anything like me, it, it, you can hear something again and again and again and, and still not remember it a week from now. Some of the best teachings that affected me most growing up and even now are teachings that are taught again and again and again, and it finally gets through my thick head a little bit. And so if it sounds repetitive, it's because it is. <laughs> so, so, but it's important that we get a hold of this. It's important that, that we build upon this as God builds upon truths and his words, and he feeds us. He starts with milk, and then he introduces meat to us. He doesn't start with meat. Just like you wouldn't start by feeding a baby a big old steak, even though steaks are tasty and good, and I love a good steak, you feed it to a baby, it'll make him sick. In fact, if you feed mashed potatoes to a baby, it can make him sick if you feed him too young, right? 
And so God knows what we need, and he, he gives us what we need and brings us up to a point where we can understand more and more and more as we grow in the Lord. And that should be our desire this morning is to grow in the Lord. A Christian ought to grow in the Lord. We ought not to be stagnant. And too often times we get churches that are full, including myself, I've been guilty where I've been stagnant. And I look back on my life for growth and I don't see much. And it's not because God's word changed, it's because my heart changed towards God to where I didn't want to grow. And so if this is boring to you, examine your heart to see if you truly want growth. If you want God to guide you and and to grow you up in the Lord. All right, so first thing is God wants us to be his witness, to testify of what God has done for us. The Bible says winning souls is wise, and it's not us that wins the souls, it's the Holy Spirit working through us. We talked about how the Holy Spirit, we work together with God as laborers. And we're not going to go through all of that, but it's so important that you get a hold of that. It really is. It's so important that you understand that you're labor with God. And if you leave God while you go to labor, you'll fall flat on your face and you will stop laboring. Or your labor will be in vain because it's done out of the flesh. And so we need to make sure that we do not leave the Holy Spirit as we go to witness. And we also need to make sure that we don't stay at home while the Holy Spirit tells us to go witness. And so we have to have a balance on this thing to where we labor with Christ. We have a burden from God to witness. We also also talked about how, you know, um, the, the illustration of what good does it do and we went to the the Super Bowl analogy of what good does it do to talk about the Super Bowl. And we said that doesn't do much good, but yet people love to talk about the Super Bowl. They love to talk about football and the statistics and all of that. How much more good does it do to be laboring with God? You know, we yesterday thanked the Lord, praised the Lord for it. We did some street witnessing. And I do thank God for that. I really do. Um, I used to do a lot more street witnessing than I, than I do um, currently. I haven't street witnessed in a, in a while. And um, a big reason for that is God hasn't given me the liberty to do that. And um, I think uh, God knows where our heart is. And sometimes God has to fix your heart and get you right with him to get you to the next step to use you. And that's why it's so important to go to church, and that's why it's important to hear preaching, and that's why it's important to read your Bible so God can form, and, and he's likening you to his image. That's what God is doing. That's the Christian walk. That's what, we're predestined to be the image of Christ. And so God will, will form you and, and mold you, and when you go doing things your own way, sometimes God's got to take you a step back, and he's got to say, hey, fix this. And after you fix that, he says, all right, I'm going to teach you this and this. And then he'll send you back out. And so I praise God and I thank God that we did some street witnessing. I really do. And that's an important thing. We're going to get into a little bit of of why go street witnessing because it's not common in our culture today. 
It's not common in the church house. It's not common for Christians to go out to a street corner and proclaim the gospel. And so, is it not common because it's not biblical? It's all through the Bible, and we're going to get into that some today. And then, we're, Lord willing, we're also going to get into, a, um, a, I would like for you to get a pen and paper. And if you don't have one, we'll, we can get you a pen. Make sure you've got a pen. And we're going to get to some scripture verses and references to dealing with other religions. And, but uh, before we get into all of that, I want, I want you to understand that it's not a complicated deal of oh, I've got to have all these verses down to witness to a Catholic. It's not that complicated. I've got to have all these verses down before I can go witness to a Muslim. It's not that complicated. Right. Having said that, this is our sword, and we ought to be sharpening it. We ought to yeah. be getting familiar with it. We ought to know where Scripture verses are that cut through all the garbage of false religion. And so on one hand, you don't want to say, well, I don't know those verses. I don't have them memorized, and thus I can't go witness, because that's wrong. That's out of balance. You've got the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you. At the other side, you don't want to say, well, i got the Holy Spirit guiding me and leading me, and so I'm laboring with the Holy Spirit, so I don't have to study at all. Right. Either one of those is out of balance. Amen. And so we're going to get into that today. Um, we don't want to lead the Holy Spirit and, and uh, go do our own thing. One thing that God did put on my heart, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, is to be a witness. And uh, this, this is not a fun topic. This is not something we, we get all excited about and jump up with joy to hear about, but it's a very valid point that must be addressed for witnessing. It must be addressed for being a vessel. The Bible says that we ought to be a vessel meet for the master's use. That's what the Bible says. You say, well, what does that mean? That means that if you're more concerned about sin, have him sit over there. Um, if you're more concerned about your sin and the junk that's all over you, and then God wants to use you, and you're stuck in your flesh, and you're stuck in your filth, and you say, oh God, I want to be a, a, a used of you. That God says, hey, you need to get some things right with me. You need to fix up your life. You don't get to just live in the world, live in filth, and then turn right around and say, I want to be a witness for God and go soul winning. I don't want, at the same time, you don't have to be perfect, but if you've got known sin that God has been dealing with you about, and then you think you're going to go knock a door, or you think you're going to go be a light, and that God is going to indwell you and speak through you when he's telling you to deal with sin, it ain't going to happen. God's going to convict you about your sin. So oftentimes we pray for family members. Or specifically, because family members are close to us, right? And so a lot of times, I don't know about you, honestly, the most people I'm worried about being saved are my children. I'm selfish. <laughs> I love my children. God gave me those children, and I want to see them saved. And then I have family members, and then there's a lost and dying world. I'm not saying that's the right order, but that's the order that, that is in my heart. 
That's who God's put closest to me is is family. And so many times we'll sit there and pray, God, God, do something with my family members. Do something in this community. Do something with my children. And God says, hey, I would like to use you, but you've got this sin that is sitting there blatant in your life. And you're not, I want to deal with that before I deal with them. And we say, oh, no, no, I don't want to deal with that sin. I don't want to deal with that in my life but God, please use me to be a witness. And God says, no. Look at, look at this right here. And I know this preaching on sin is not popular, but it's got to be addressed in witnessing. It's got to be. It's got to be. But the reason why is we've got churches full of sin that God says, I'd like to use that church. I'd like to use you. You're born again. And if you truly are born again, God is dealing with you on that sin that you put off and put off and put off, and God says, deal with it. God says, fix it. You say, I'll get to it. And a lot of times we'll try to supplement dealing with the sin that God has us dealing with, that God wants you to repent of, and we try to say, well, I'll I'll, I'll be a witness for you so that way I don't have to deal with that sin. And that is not how it works. It's not Bible to do that. The Bible wants you to deal with your sin. Look at this. And Hebrews chapter 12, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You understand what that just said? We've read it and we believe it because it's the Bible, right? But at the same time here, we don't believe this. Right. You've just read it. What did the Bible say? It said, if you have sin, it will beset you from running the race. That's what it says, right? It says, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Amen. It easily throws you way off course. See, here's the problem with Christians today is you don't believe that. You think the sin in your life you can handle and it's just fine and you can be a witness and you can sing the hymns and you can have just a great relationship with God and you're not off course one little bit and that sin's not that big a deal. That sin is a big deal to God Almighty with his children. I'll go back to the illustration of working with one of my kids. If they've got a bad attitude... And they're, they're just not wanting to work with me at all. And they've got all types of problems. Maybe they've been disobedient to their mom. I don't know. I'm not going to get all. But they've got a, a rotten attitude that I just cannot stand. There's something that is just bothering me. And I say, hey, you need to get this right. See, I can't make my children have the right heart, though. Right. I cannot make my children repentant of their sin. That's got to come from within. Right. And so the whole time they're wanting to work with me, I'm like... Get this right. I know you've been lying over here. I know you stole cookies. And I want you to get it right within your heart. And they say, hey, why don't we just move on from that and just have fun building this with you, Dad? I can't enjoy building something or doing something with my children when there's sin right there that I'm so burdened with that I want them to get it right. And we go and we say, God, let us labor with you. Let us work with you. 
And God is saying, hey, you've got a sin problem. And I told you that if you don't lay it aside, it's going to be easily beset you. And so we sit there. And praise the Lord if he's given you a burden for lost souls and you have a burden maybe for your family members. Maybe you have a burden for this community and God says, hey, deal with this sin. Meet for the master's use. If you think just because you're soul winning or just because you're being a witness that you're meet for the master's use, it's not so. You could be easily besetted. And so we try to cover up our sin by being a witness and you wonder why the witness doesn't work. You wonder what's wrong. You wonder why the Holy Spirit isn't using you and filling you like he once did. We've got to deal with the sin in our lives to be a proper witness for God. That's what the Bible says. Your sin will beset you easily. It's not hard for sin to beset us. The Bible says it's easy. It's easy. It'll set you right off course. Look at this. Looking unto Jesus, see, here's, here's our problem. As we look over at the next guy and we say, well, he, he's got that sin. And it looks like God's using him. And therefore, why do I have to humble myself and get that right? And God says, deal with it. To you, you're going to look at this. You get, every man will give an account of himself before God. I will not give an account of you, Brother Sutton. I will not give an account of you, Brother Gabe and Brother Joshua. I won't give an account for you. But what I will give an account for is myself before God. God has a personal relationship with me where he's guiding and leading me along. And when I say no to God Almighty, you might not know I said no. You might not know that God is dealing with me on a sin. And I'm looking over there and I'm saying, why doesn't God deal with him on that? He seems to be doing just fine. And God says, the standard isn't you. The standard isn't the brother in Christ. The standard isn't the pastor. The standard is Jesus Christ. It says, looking unto Jesus. See, if you set your eyes off of the church and onto Jesus on how I should behave, how I should act, God will start to deal with you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye, look at this, listen to this, listen to this. It's not popular, but this is the Bible and it'll change you. Look at this. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against, help me out here. Sin. We're going to try that again. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against everybody. Sin. sin. The Bible says you ought to resist and strive against sin. Amen. And the example the furthermost example, our example of doing this, looking unto Jesus, right? Not looking unto the members in your church, not looking unto a pastor, looking unto Jesus. He resisted sin so much that he sweat drops of blood because he knew he was taking on the sin of the world. And yet we don't think sin's a big deal in our life. And we want to be a witness. 
And I'm just here to, I'm, I'm telling you that in order to be meat for the master's use, you must deal with the sin in your life. You must deal with the sin that Jesus pointed out to you and stop looking around. The Bible says it's not wise to compare yourself one to another. You compare yourself to Jesus Christ. That's got to be addressed to be a witness for Christ. And you say, well, nobody knows about the sin. Doesn't matter. God knows about it. God's dealing with you. Again, this all builds on itself, right? So in order to be a proper witness, we need what? What do we need to be a witness? Who are we laboring with? We're laboring with Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to indwell us and speak through us. We need the power of God. We know the power is in the gospel, and the power of God rests upon you, and the Holy Spirit deals with somebody through you, laboring with you. And so if you, don't have, if you have sin in your life, the Holy Spirit isn't laboring with you anymore. The Holy Spirit has now focused his attention on that sin and said, hey, look, you're easily besetted. You're way off course here. You've got sin in your life. And you say, well, I know all the, all the verses. It doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit has said, hey, deal with this and no longer is laboring with you. It's laboring, ministering to you to say, get right with this sin. This has got to be addressed in ministry. This has got to be addressed in the church to be able to be a light and witness to this lost and dying world. So now you've got two options. One option is deal with the sin. Repent of it. Call upon God. He said he's faithful and just to forgive you. You confess your sin before God Almighty. He said he's faithful and just to forgive you. If we didn't have that scripture, we'd be in a world of trouble. But God made it easy to come to him. And I'm not talking about, and I don't want to get too off course. Lord, help me this morning. I don't want to get too off course here. But repentance isn't, oh, I'm sorry, so I can go do it again. You guys have probably heard this analogy, but it's a good one. If there was somebody standing in the aisle over there, and I walk past them and just knock them over, I say, oh, sorry about that. And then I walk back and I knock them over again. I'm sorry about that. And I run over and knock them over again. I say, sorry about that. Eventually, he's going to say, hey, you ain't sorry, buddy. You knocked me over three times now, and I'm sick of it. Right? Hey, God knows your heart. And if you just, God, I'm so sorry, and in your heart, you're saying, well, I'm going to go commit this sin over here, or or it's it's just going to, let me just get right so that way I can get done witnessing, and then I'm going to go back and commit that sin. Hey, you're not fooling God Almighty. God knows where your heart is, and God wants a repentant heart of your sin, and you come to God Almighty and say, God, repent is to turn from that sin. And I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. God put this in the Bible because sin easily besets us. The weight of it will bear down on you. And it won't be the burden for lost souls. It'll be the burden of your sin. God's saying, get this right. And so you come to God with a truly repentant heart. And now we can do business to a lost and dying world. The Holy Spirit can use us meet for the master's use. I wasn't planning on getting too far into that, but it's so important that we address that because too oftentimes witnessing is powerless because of the sin in our life. 
And it's powerless because the sin in our life because of the lack of the Holy Spirit. All right, so we're going to get into talking a little bit about street witnessing. And yesterday we did some of that, and I think God set that up on purpose. I was going to actually preach on street witnessing yesterday, and God had me stick to the message. And that took a lot of time, praise the Lord. I think that's exactly what God wanted me to preach, was on the message. Because if you lose the message, it don't matter (laughs) whether you're out there on a street corner or house to house, you have to have the message down that we're getting out. And not pervert the message. So now that we've got the message, okay, and we're going we're gonna, to, as we go through this, we're going to definitely be getting back into the message. The message to the lost and dying world. Addressing their sin. Seeing that the condition that they're in before God Almighty. Seeing that they're blinded. And you, you go through and the scripture convicts their heart and the, script, and the Holy Spirit pricks their heart as the word of God is preached to them and you show them the message and how to get right with God Almighty is through the blood of Christ and the blood of Christ alone. That's what we did yesterday. We dealt mainly on the message. And now we're going to get into street witnessing. Now let me address this first off. What I'm not saying this morning is that everybody has to get on a street corner and go witness. Not what I'm saying. There are a lot of different ways to witness. There's a lot of ways to testify about what Christ has done in you. And God must give you, the Holy Spirit must give you the burden on which to go testify. And sometimes that's on a street corner. And sometimes that's house to house. And sometimes that's on the job. And sometimes that's in the parking lot. It doesn't matter where it's at as long as the Holy Spirit has burdened you to go testify about what the Holy Spirit has done. But here's why this has to be addressed. And turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 2. Here's why this has to be addressed is because now it's come to a point in our country and it is an important part of ministry to street witness. Hey, this country had a lot of street witnessing in it at one point. A lot of it. And the reason it had a lot of it is because it's biblical. It's all through the Bible. You know, the most popular street witness, street preacher I know is the Lord, Jesus Christ. Think about it. Most of his messages, not all of them, but a lot of them, were done on the street. They were done out in public. We can say street, I'm talking about public ministry. It don't have to be on a street. It could be at a park. It could be on a beach. It could be wherever public ministry there is. Christ, a lot of times, he'd preach on the, on the shore, on a boat. But he was probably the most popular street witnessing I know. So before you go say that's the wrong way to do things, you better read your Bible. Because street preachers across this world, across our country, those who are, are constantly condemned. And sometimes rightfully so, because there's a wrong way and a right way to witness. And again, you'll have the wrong way without the Holy Spirit, and it will be evident. All right, let's get into this. So it's Bible. Ezekiel 2, we'll pick up in verse 3 here. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat. And it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. The Lord God gave this to him. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak my words unto them. 
for thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of strange speech and of a hard language whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken they will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me, for all the house of Israel are impudent and hard and hard hearted. The reason they didn't listen to the preaching of Jeremiah or Ezekiel here, sorry. We'll get to Jeremiah. The reason they weren't listening to it is because they weren't listening to the message from God Almighty. So they, it's not that they didn't understand the language. There wasn't a language barrier here. It was that they were mad at the message that God had for them. Right. And so when you preach the gospel, you'll have resistance. And it's not because of what you're saying. It's because of the gospel. The gospel is offensive yeah. to the lost Amen. because you're telling them they're in their sins and they don't want to hear that they're in their sins. Right. And so a lot of times when you are witnessing, especially on a street corner, there's a lot of resistance. Now, here's what I want to make sure that we don't get into. You don't want there to be resistance and an offense of the gospel because of you. You want it to be because the message that God gave to you. And what we have to understand is that sinners don't see sin like from from the Bible. So sinners are going to dress like sinners and so when you start preaching oh why should you dress like that you ought to dress modestly the world's going to dress like the world the world's going to talk like the world and it's not in fact we don't even want them to clean themselves up as a lost person we want them to go to god repent of the sin that they're in and god cleans them from the inside out right But if you approach it and you you say, okay, well, you need to start dressing right. You need to stop your drinking. You need to stop your profanity. They don't have the Holy Spirit. And so you're preaching the wrong message. But if you preach the gospel and say that, hey, you're a sinner, it doesn't take long. They know they're a sinner. And you point their sin out to them and say, hey, your problem is it with, with Christ, with God Almighty, and your rejection to God Almighty. That's the message, is that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Not that they are a sinner in need of cleaning themselves up. Right. And I've seen where street ministry gets way off on this. Yeah. And they start trying to clean up a world without Christ. Right. And that's a problem. And I'm not trying to be overcritical. I'm really not. I'm not trying. I'm glad that there's, there's people out there giving out the gospel. When you go out in the flesh, it produces the things of the flesh. That's right. And so your message is completely off. And what is now offending them is your opinions. Right. No longer the gospel. So we've got to stick to the message. We've got to stick to the gospel when proclaiming. And remember, they won't hearken unto you, not because of you, but because of God Almighty. And that better be the case. Yeah. Or you need to stop. And get on your knees before God Almighty and say, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I've gotten in the flesh. Yeah. And that happens. Yeah. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. We've been in Jeremiah a lot. Jeremiah is a good book, though. You know how you know it's a good book? It's in the Bible. Amen. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 11 
Verse 6, the Lord said unto me, proclaim all these words in the cities of Judea, or Judah, sorry, and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, hear ye the words of this covenant and do them. God gave Jeremiah a message and said, go out to the streets with the message. The Bible actually talks about the highways and the byways, and it talks about house to house as well. It's in the Bible. But here he is telling Jeremiah to go out into the streets. Why go out into the streets? That's where the people are. I have a hard time with Facebook. I really do. A lot of wickedness on Facebook. There are a lot of wickedness in the streets. In fact, when you get down to it, anywhere the world is without Christ is going to be pretty low down, sorry, and wicked. You're going to have temptations, period. If you're going out into the world, you can go to house to house out here in the country. You knock on somebody's door. They say, come in. And when you come into the house, you start seeing all this junk. And you may have to say, well, I can't come in that house. We'll talk out here. Sometimes that's necessary. But the point being is there's always going the world is going to be wicked. And so you better be full of the Holy Spirit or you're going to fall to the temptation. But the Holy Spirit will help you as you're out on the streets and you see profanity that your heart will break for them and you'll see the lost soul and not the the sin as far as the temptation for sin. But without the Holy Spirit, you'll you'll fall right into the temptation and then where are we back at to? Where we started. The sin that so easily besets us. And so now you're besetted and you're out there in your flesh because the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart And you'll have this whole battle back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We've got to be full of the Holy Spirit and have the burden from the Holy Spirit to go out and witness. All right, look here. We'll go to um, turn with me to Acts. Acts chapter 9. And here's the thing, too. People do get saved through street witnessing. I have seen that. There's not a lot of people that get saved through it. We'll always say, well, what's a lot? (laughs) One soul gets saved and all of heaven rejoices. And again, if we're so focused on the numbers and so focused on the results and we don't leave that to the Holy Spirit, then your whole ministry shot. Our numbers, our our ministry cannot be resolved or, or built around the numbers. And numbers aren't necessarily a bad thing to say, okay, we, we had X amount of people get saved and we rejoice over that and we praise God. That in the New Testament is done where they say X amount of people were saved. So numbers aren't always a bad thing if you're rejoicing and giving God the glory for them as long as your ministry isn't focused on, hey, we need numbers. Right. And here's the reality of it. There ain't a lot of numbers from street ministry. And so that's why a lot of reason the church doesn't do it. Right. Plus, it makes you look like a fanatic. Right. Because nobody's out there doing it. Yep. And that's why it's such a blessing and such a good thing for the church. It's a good thing to even just go hold a sign. Because what you're doing is you're proclaiming in a town, Jesus Christ. And you're testifying by being there that you love Jesus Christ and you don't care how you look to this world. And the world sees that. 
One of the most powerful ministries of the church is when they started to openly persecute the church and burn them at the stake and feed their children to to lions and to pigs. And they sat there and proclaimed to, in the Colosseums, to all of those watching that I love my Savior and I would never renounce him and the Holy Spirit would fill them and they would praise the Lord God as they're going through worse things imaginable. That's a public witness. They looked like fools. And people said, what I have isn't real enough. I'd never do that. I don't know what they have. But, but there's something there. And as somebody drives across in a town and they see somebody proclaiming Christ and they see you holding up scripture signs and they read, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And again, we're not living in a country that's familiar with the Bible at all. They don't know. And what in the world did I just witness? What in the world did I just see? And God can use that and begins to put questions in there. What were they doing? What was going on over there? And the Holy Spirit pricks their heart. You don't know anything about it. You just saw a car drive by and crack their window. You just saw a lady walk by and give you a nasty look. That's all you saw. But again, you're there to glorify God. But now that whole town has in their mind those that saw it. And they say, hey, did you see those guys witness uh, out on the street corner? No, no. What were they saying? They said that Jesus died for sinners. And now you've got a lost person proclaiming Christ. You know, I think of a bird, right? A bird will pick up seed and then will fly. And I don't mean to, to get nasty or anything like that. But as a bird drops what it drops... There's some of that seed in there that didn't get completely digested and it will plant another seed. And so now you can have a lost person that picks up some seed because you're just casting it out there. You're just throwing out the word of God. You're just preaching the gospel out there and they grab a hold of it and they go to work and they say, guys, you never believe what I saw today. I've, I've witnessed that happening. I was in a fire truck one time. We were driving by downtown, and there were these guys out there preaching. And they're like, oh, these guys out there talking about how, how you need to repent and Jesus loves you. And I'm sitting there, amen. <laughs> I'm sitting there, that's right. And that was a lost man proclaiming that to the people in there yeah. at work. Yeah. You don't know what God is doing. We know this. We need to obey God. And be meat for the master's use. However he wants to use us. Where are we at here? (laughs) Oh, Acts 9. We'll start here. We'll back up here to verse 14. And here hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. He's bearing the name of Jesus Christ before the Gentiles, before the kings, before all the children of Israel. That's what it is when you get on a street. You're bearing the name of Christ. You're bearing the name of God Almighty. And that's where the power is in it. 
is that you're bearing Christ's name to a world that doesn't know anything about Christ. You know something? Budweiser is not ashamed to put Budweiser out. Christians are ashamed to go downtown with scripture. Right. What's going on there? Right. You say it's ineffective. Well, then why does Budweiser pay all this money to put their advertisements out there for people to see? Right. It's not because they don't know what Budweiser is. Right. They know what it is. They know that it's alcohol, but they want to remind you, hey, there's alcohol out there for you. And yet the Christian sits ashamed and doesn't want to look like a fool to this world. And they care more about what the world thinks than what God thinks. And they say, well, I better hold this Bible way down here. And I better make it smaller and smaller. And I'm not saying you've got to get a large Bible. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we ought not be ashamed of the gospel. I, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. One of the things I do like about street witnessing, you cannot deny it, that it's, it's, you can, did you guys notice that as we were out there, that you started getting bolder? Did you notice that? The Holy Spirit starts to deal with you, and, and as, as you begin to preach, you're like, I'm out there anyways, and the Holy Spirit just takes over, and now you don't, you're not even worried about what anybody thinks, because you're out there, kind of like jumping into water. At first, you know, that water's cold and you're getting in the water. And then after you've been swimming in it a while, it's like, this feels great. I don't even know it's cold anymore. And the Holy Spirit does something to you as you're out proclaiming him, as he's indwelling you and preaching to a lost and dying world. And you're not ashamed. And I tell you what it does for other Christians in the area. They see that. And just like all the drunks, when they see a Budweiser sign, they get a thirst in their mouth for Budweiser, they get a thirst in their mouth for alcohol. Christians see that and they get a thirst in their mouth for, the, for God. Yeah. And they go, oh, I need to be a witness. And it, but what it does, see, we can't see the spiritual side of it, but there is a spiritual battle going on. Yeah. A real spiritual battle. There were real devils downtown that have been there for a long time. And we pray to God Almighty and we say, hey, Lord, and we come before God and we fall on our face and we say, God, we don't have any power. You've got the power. Bind Satan over this town. And God binds those devils and God drives them out for a period of time for us to preach the gospel. And we got a spiritual battle right there. Yeah. Where now that corner isn't the strong corner it used to be for Satan. We're standing across from a theater. We're standing across from attorneys. We're standing across from people that have committed sins their whole life and have put God on a back burner and done their best to forget about God and done their best to just move on. And now they were reminded there is a God and he's going to judge them. And you stand there and you promote not yourself. You don't promote your own agendas. You promote God Almighty. And here's what's sad about it is Christians will get out there with political signs. And Christians will sit there and they'll say, Trump 2020. Yeah. But when it comes to promoting Christ and saying, I'm a Christian, I believe God, repent of your sins and call upon God. Right. Church mice. Right. Because it's acceptable in our society to hold out political signs. Right. Your standard ain't society. Your standard's God Almighty. And God told, God told, oh, I think it's Paul here, to bear his name. 
to the Gentiles. Turn your Bibles to Acts 23. You know, it's the same God that told Jeremiah to go to the streets. It's the same God that told Ezekiel to go out there and preach the message. God hasn't changed. Amen. We're, just, we're just servants to God Almighty. It does something in a town when you preach. God, God can use it. And the devil knows that, and that's why. Look, tent ministries have been used by God, and the devil used them. It's, I don't even want to say his name. There's been false prophets all over the place that have used the tent. God used the tent. There's all types of false churches out there that promote worldliness, that, that are so far from the Bible that they, they preach false gospels. They don't make the church bad. They don't make the tent bad. And so why, why does it surprise you that the devil wouldn't send false ministers out to the streets? Right. And you'll say, well, I don't want to be associated with those guys. Well, then don't be. Preach the gospel. Be the good example that God sent forth for you to be. Amen. Don't let the devil have it. I don't want the devil to have this tent. I want it to be a light for God Almighty and preach the truth. You don't give up on church because there's bad churches out there. You follow God and be an example of what God wants a church to be. But yet what we say with street witnessing, oh, there's fanatics that do it, so we don't want to be associated with them. And so we give it up all together. That that's just an excuse is what it is right. to not get out and proclaim God. Because when it comes down to it, you're ashamed. Right. And I don't say that lightly. I've been there. I know it. The reason I can say that is because I know that. Yeah. Everything in your flesh will cringe and say, I don't want to go do this right now. And the Holy Spirit will put a burden that says, you've got to go. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, don't go out there if the Holy Spirit had put a burden on your heart. Amen. It'll be a wreck. Anyway, so Acts 23, verse 11. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, I love this. Be of good cheer, Paul. For thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so thou must bear witness also at Rome. When he talks about bearing witness at Rome, Paul went where it wasn't popular to preach. You know that because he's in prison. And he's telling them, hey, look, uh, don't worry. Be of good cheer. I've got another place for you to go. Be of good courage. It takes some courage to get out on a street corner and proclaim Christ. Courage that I don't have. Courage that you don't have. But God gives us the courage. Look at this. Be of good cheer, Paul. <laughs> you be of good cheer. But they're going to laugh. They're going to mock. They're going to honk their horns. Be of good cheer. You're testifying. You're bearing witness to Christ. You're bearing witness to God Almighty. Turn back in your, your Bibles to Jeremiah again. Run back there. I know this ain't popular, but a church needs to be a witness to the town. Amen. You say, that's not for me. Maybe it ain't. But is it not for you because 
you say it's not for you? Or is it not for you because God hadn't burdened you with it? That's the question. Is it you don't go house to house because God told you not to? Or is it because it makes you uncomfortable? Get honest with yourself before God. And say, God, guide me, direct me, lead me. And when God guides, leads, and directs you, like we ask him, when God says, go do this, and you say, that ain't for me. Let me tell you, Paul said, this ain't for me. Paul said, I don't have any boldness, Lord. Give me some boldness because I'm plumb out. So don't think, oh, well, that was just Paul over there. Paul struggled with the same struggle that I struggle with, the same struggle that you struggle with. Here we are, Jeremiah chapter 42. Were we here? All right, look at this. Then said they to Jeremiah, the Lord be true, a faithful witness between us. If we do not according to all things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of our God. Are you obedient? If God calls you to testify in a street corner, will you? If God calls you to go house to house, will you? We've got to be obedient to God Almighty. That goes along with the message that was preached last night, doesn't it? We've got to obey God. And if God says go, we need to go. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. It doesn't matter what they're going to think of the message. Amen. You stick to what God told you to proclaim. Jeremiah 43, you can stay right there. Verse, we'll, we'll go to, actually go to 44, verse 16 here. As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. They won't listen all the time. But we're not, do, we're not proclaiming God for them to even listen. We're proclaiming God because we're obeying God. And you've got to get that down. Right. You've got to get that down. You don't go house to house because they're going to listen to you every single time. You go because you're obeying God and you're laboring with God. You go to a street corner because, not because, oh, it, we're going to see thousands come to the Lord. We're going because we're obeying God and delivering the message that God gave us to deliver. So if God calls us to be a witness, if God calls us to go preach on a street corner, just, just do it. And if God doesn't call you to and doesn't give you a burden about it, then pray, ask God, honestly, God, you want me on a street corner, I'll go. And if God doesn't give you a burden, don't go. It don't matter what I think. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be on a street corner. I'm not saying everybody needs to go house to house. I'm saying obey God. 
And don't let it be that you don't go because you're ashamed. Look at your heart, examine your heart, and obey God in it. There's a lot of good that comes out of it, though, and it is biblical to go proclaim the gospel. So if you see somebody street witnessing, you know one of the biggest adversaries to street witnessing is Christians. They'll come up to you and they'll say, I, I don't think this is doing any good right here. I'm, I'm a Christian just like you are. Yeah. And I'm like, well, well, no, you're not. No, you're not. If you were, you'd, hey, here, show me how it's done. Proclaim the God. Oh, I don't want to. And the devil, as you said, will use a meat bag to go send to you to try to knock you off course. And typically, when you're, when you're street witnessing, I would not recommend... If God calls you to do it, he has before for me, if you go by yourself, it's so much better to go with at least two. Because most of the time when you, when you do witness on the street, a devil will show up. And sometimes, like Brother Sutton was talking about, God can use that to proclaim the gospel. But if you have another guy there to go deal with that, it, it could also shut down the entire street ministry. If you're there by yourself and now you've got a devil in your face proclaiming all of his junk. I've had guys play bango drums and everything else just to drown me out. And it's awfully handy when you've got a guy there that can take him aside and say, hey, and they start talking to him, giving the gospel, and you can continue to proclaim God's word. And so going out as a group is important to do if you can. If God calls you, go. And if you don't have a group, God knows that too. But you better make sure it's from God and you're obeying God. Some other things to consider when witnessing on the street corner is if somebody stops because they truly do have questions and they're seeking Christ, then don't push them off because you've got a message to preach. Deal with the person that God draws. Now, don't confuse this with doubtful disputations and spend all your time dealing with doubtful disputations. And again, this all comes back to laboring with God and allowing God to lead the meeting. Because what you're doing is you're preaching to a lost and dying world, and what you're doing is you're hitting a large broadcast. I don't know how many people yesterday heard bits and pieces or the whole gospel, but we're probably dealing with what, maybe 100? Maybe 500? At least, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that heard the gospel there with cars coming back and forth and people walking. And there's people that are in restaurants and everything else that you don't even see or you don't even know. And again, it's not about the numbers, but you have to acknowledge it is a completely different type in one sense of ministry than it is to house to house. House to house is an individual basis. You're, you're dealing with just that individual or in two individuals at a house. Whereas when you're street witnessing, you're proclaiming the message. And so it's a different ministry. It's an important ministry that must be done. God uses it. Now we're going to switch courses a little bit here. What what time do we have? All right. I'm not going to worry about the time. God gave me this, so we're going to get into it. All right. We're going we're gonna to switch courses a little bit here on dealing with different types of religions. Um, turn with me to Galatians. Actually, let's go to Ephesians. We'll get to Galatians in just a second. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. You guys know this. 
I hope you know this. I pray that you know this. And if you don't know this, that's fine. That's why we're here. So you can learn. So if you don't know this, that's all right. When you talk about different religions, I'm going to give some verses now on dealing with some Catholics. I'm going to give some verses here in a minute about dealing with some Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, and um, we'll see how far we get. Um, but what I want, I, w- I want to make sure that you know is that there's, here, here's the whole thing with false religions. There's works-based salvation, and there's salvation through the grace of God and Jesus Christ alone. And every false religion, hands down, adds works to salvation. Period. You you cannot add to the blood of Christ. You cannot take away from the blood of Christ. Period. And every false religion, at the end of the day, that's what they're doing. They're adding or taking away. And so, if you know the gospel, you can deal with any false religion out there. Period. Period. So don't feel like, well, I don't know all these verses or I don't have these verses and therefore a Catholic shows up and I've got to tuck tail and run. No, you don't. You've got the word of God. You have the gospel. You know the message. Stick to the message. Stick to the gospel. Yeah, that's right. You've got all the equipment you need. Having said that, we need to study the word of God so that way God can use this as well to start to maybe soften or break some of the bars that Satan has put up to bind this person. And so you can put some doubts in their head, and, and maybe the next time. Remember, we read yesterday about uh, Paul who plowed the ground, and Apollos or who watered. He sowed, and, and Apollos watered. So maybe the next guy comes by, and this guy's got doubts seriously now about the Catholic Church, yeah. because you you were able to go there some scriptures with him. But at the end of the day, it comes down to works added salvation. So if we go, and th- this is the gospel right here, you go to Ephesians chapter two. And you, this is to the church, but it describes what happened for salvation. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So you were dead in your sins. Christ quickened you, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the principality, the prince of power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. There's the gospel right there. It's getting into your, you were a child of disobedience and Christ pulled you out of that and quickened you. Do you see that? So, they got to see that they're a child of disobedience, not a child of God. And we do have this false notion, this false gospel that's preached that everybody's a child of God. There it is right there. They're children of disobedience. They're not a child of God. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. There's another child that you are that's not of God, a child of wrath, even as others. And so, again, giving out the gospel humbles you because you see, this was me. There's no way out. That was me, among whom also we all, all of us, I had my conversation in time past in the lust of my flesh. You had your conversation in time past in the lust of your flesh. You're nobody special. God plucked you out. He's the one that gets the glory. And in doing that, it cuts through all the false religion. Look at this. But God, who is rich in mercy, he's the one that gets the glory for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. 
boom, that cuts through all the filth. That cuts through all religion, just that alone, right there. By grace are you saved, not through a priest. By grace you are saved, not by door knocking. By grace you are saved, not through getting baptized. It cuts through it all. So if you don't know where to go to verses to deal with a Catholic, stick to the gospel. The gospel cut through it all. And remember that the authority belongs not in your arguments. The authority does not belong in the Book of Mormon. The authority does not belong in the Koran. The authority belongs in the Word of God. So when the devil tries to slip in there and, and the guy will take out his Koran and say, well, you just look at this. Don't allow the devil to try to replace the authority of God's word with the Koran or with the Book of Mormon. Amen. The authority it belongs on the word of God. Keep to the word of God. That this is the authority. And that's why the Bible issue comes up. And you don't have to get through all the detail with the Bible, but what you've got to know as a witness for Christ is that this is the authority, this is the word of God, this is what I live or die by. This is what I, I stake my whole eternity, my whole life on this book. This is the authority. That's right. And stick to it. Stick to it with a Catholic. Stick to it with a Muslim. Stick to it with a Mormon. And don't let them steal it. And if you don't think they want to steal it, you're wrong. Yep. They'll say, okay, what about this verse over here yep. that's not in my Bible? Well, that's not the authority. The authority is right here in, my, in, in the Word of God. They'll say, well, the, you know, the Book of Mormon says this. I don't care what the Book of Mormon says. I care what God says. And the great thing, we'll get into this in a little bit, but the great thing about Mormons is they profess to believe the King James Bible. They profess, they'll, they'll say that. That's how they get so many Baptists, that's how they get so many Bible believers to drop their Bible and join Mormonism. That happens all over our land. It does. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons they do, they, stick, they say they stick to the Bible when they don't, they'll lie to you. Right. It's because they want to deceive you. Amen. We'll get to that in a little bit. For, but for a Catholic... Specifically, what we're going to get into, do not leave the authority of God's word. <clears throat> Don't let a, a Muslim, Mormon, or a Catholic steal the authority of God's word, and the devil will try to do that every time. Amen. Brother Sutton, one of the things he brings up is, what's the first thing Satan said? Yea, hath God said. And when you're out there and you're preaching the gospel, one of the things that you'll deal with in every false religion, that is the devil's religions... He's going to deal with trying to take the authority from the word of God. You stick to the book. You stick to the word of God. You lift and elevate this. What I say doesn't matter. What this Bible says matters. Amen. And a Christian, sometimes what you'll end up doing is, oh, I've done some study on Catholics and I know. Right. I know that they've got problems with their pope. I know they've got problems with their priests. And we're going to go talk about, you know, how priests do child molestation. And we're going to talk about all this stuff over here, and you get into your own intellect, and now you've left the authority of the Bible, and you'll fall flat on your face. You stick with the Bible. Yeah. You stick with the Bible. Amen. All right, and so we got to get to the next verse here. But God, who's rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. 
and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Who does that? What does he do? God, who is rich in mercy, is the one that raises us up. Not your works. Verse 7, in the ages to come that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Amen. It's not you. It's the kindness. It's the grace. It's the great love of God Almighty that saves a person. Not any works. It's taking it all away. And if that wasn't plain enough, we got verse 8 here. And we should all know this. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Hide that in your heart. If you don't have that memorized, I would so... I, 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 memorize it. Amen. Memorize it. Get it in your head. Get it in your mind. You can lean back on that with any false religion. Flip to Ephesians chapter 2 and go through it. It cuts through it. Right. All right. Having said that, if you're dealing with a Catholic, one of the first things you can go to is 1 Timothy. We're going to run some references here. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And if you want to write these down and need a pen or anything, just let us know. We'll make sure you get a pen to write these down. Dealing with a Catholic, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God... That also hurts a Mormon right there that believes in four gods. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator, Jesus Christ. Amen. That gets rid of your priests. That gets rid of your pope. Right. That gets rid of having to go to Mary to go to Christ. Right. That gets rid of all of that. There's one mediator. One mediator, that's the go-between, between God and sinful man is Christ Jesus and Christ alone. Amen. That does Catholicism in right there. Yeah. Here's something else that must be mentioned. A lot of people in false religions do not know what they believe. Amen. They do not know their statements of faith. They do not know. They show up once a month or once every other month. And they will stick to this false religion and claiming unto what that false religion, and they can't even defend their own religion. But they will cling to it. And so one of the ways is, is to know that, hey, the Catholic Church, listen, the Catholic Church preaches that you don't go through Christ alone to God. That's what the Catholics believe. And it'll shock a lot of them. Really? I didn't know that. Now, some Catholics are on the, on the Johnny on the spot. Yeah. And some Catholics, this, this right here will floor them, and some of them will have a different verse to go to. Or they won't have any Bible. They'll try to rely on their human intellect. Right. But you stick with the Bible. We won't go through all of that again. But what you don't want to do is say, uh, have a Catholic sit there and agree with you, and, oh, yeah, that's great. We agree that we're the same, and, and we're, I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to be a Catholic, but we agree with the Bible believers. The devil tries to mesh it all together, that whole coexist movement, the whole, we're going to bring, uh, I've just heard about this, the Muslims and Christianity and everything all together, and they call Catholicism Christianity, and it's not. It's paganism. Right. That's what Catholicism is. It's paganism dressed up with a Christian flavor to it. Right. That's all Catholicism is, is paganism. Amen. And so what they want to do is they just want to blend it all together, and a Catholic will sit there and say, yeah, I agree with everything that you're saying. Yeah. And they do not. Amen. And what will happen is, because you don't want to be controversial, you'll go along with it and say, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess we're, we're on the same team. And you're not. 
You stick with the Bible, you stick with the truth, and you take a stand against the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is probably one of the biggest religions, false religions, that Satan uses to drag people to hell. Amen. You stand against it. Take a stand, not in your flesh, but in the word of God against the Catholic Church. Amen. You're not doing this out of your flesh. You do this out of love for the Catholics. Amen. I've got family that professes to be Catholics. Right. I don't want a Christian showing up and saying we're on the same team. Right. I don't want a Bible believer to just pat them on the back and say, I guess we believe the same thing when they don't. I want a Christian or a, a, a Bible believer to show up and say the Bible does not agree with Catholicism and get another witness to them. Yeah. I'm sick and tired of, and God's sick and tired of Christians that will advocate yeah. and link arms with Catholicism or link arms with Muslims. Yeah. You're not helping them. So take a stand. Take a stand that, that there's only one mediator, period. That's what the Bible says. The authority of God's word says there's only one mediator. Turn to Hebrews. and Write this down for Catholics as well. Hebrews is a rough book on Catholics. The whole Bible really is a rough book against Catholicism because it's paganism, and God doesn't like paganism. He cuts it wide open all over the place. Um. They deal with uh, the Catholics deal with the priesthood. They've got their their priests. They've got cardinals above them. They've got bishops, and then they go all the way up to the Pope, and they pray to all these saints to get through to Christ. Yeah. And they magnify. Look at this. Just like paganism did with Baal worship, they magnify Mary, yeah. who's not even Mary from the Bible. It's a false God that they magnify above Christ. That's what Catholicism does. That's right. But the Bible cuts right through that. It cuts through their entire priesthood. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 7. For the earth, this is the, this is the correct priesthood. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh, I'm in chapter 6. I thought something was off. Hebrews chapter 7 Verse 21, for those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and, and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much Jesus was made surety of a better testament. Amen. Jesus Christ is, uh, we have a new testament. The Bible says it's a better testament. Verse 23, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to, the, to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, that's Jesus Christ, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God, look at this, by him. That's by Christ. He is the priesthood by Christ. You come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest, not a worldly priest, I don't want, this isn't talking about the guy with the collar on his neck that looks all fancy, he's talking about God Almighty, Jesus Christ. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, 
and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the, the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Amen. There's your priesthood. Amen. You can't get much harder preaching against the priesthood. They think they have to go to a priest and confess their sins. The devil's got them so under so much bondage underneath some false priesthood who wants to, to favor himself as God. That's Catholicism for you. That's paganism for you. They bound man. They take the liberty out and say, you're under me. Christ offered this ultimate sacrifice and took out the priesthood and put it upon himself. And we go to the Father through Christ. Amen. His sacrifice is sufficient. The only sufficient sacrifice. Amen. You don't need some man that's going to make a sacrifice for you, or for his own sins, and then for you. That was a picture going uh, leading up to Christ in the Old Testament. Amen. And the Catholics, they want to grab a hold of that and reunite this priesthood to put you back under their bondage. Yeah. God help me. That's wicked. That's vile. Amen. That's cruel. Amen. The Catholic Church is a cruel organization. Amen. That's right. Take what Christ did. But our heart breaks for Catholics. That's right. Because the Catholic is sitting there thinking that they've got to confess their sins to some man. Right. And they've got to pray to, to some statue some statue that God will somehow, they'll get through to God to somehow forgive their sins. What misery. Yeah. What bondage. Amen. You've got the truth to free them. Amen. That's right. They're captives to a false religion. Look at this. Go to, stay in Hebrews here, go to chapter 4, verse 15 here. Go to Mary. Yeah. Hmm. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with uh, Hebrews 4.15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You don't go to a priest. You don't go to confessional. You don't go to a statue. You don't wait on the sacraments. You go straight boldly through Christ to the, to the throne of grace. Yeah. That's the Bible. Amen. And that cuts right through Catholicism. Stay in Hebrews. We're going to hit mass real quick. Hebrews chapter 9. And there's a lot of verses. We're not going to get to them all. But if you write a couple of these down, it'll, yeah, the whole Bible. It's on it. We're going to get through all of it today. No. No, but we'll get the highlights. And if you'll write these down, it'll help you when you're dealing with the Catholic. Because they know that they do Mass. They know that there's a priest with confessional. And a lot of them don't know why. They think it's in the Bible, they haven't read the Bible. So if you show them the Bible is against it, the word of God, the Holy Spirit can go through and convict their heart. Yeah. 
and show them the falsehood of their fake religion and free them. Amen. That should be our desire. All right, so we're going to hit mass real quick. Hebrews chapter 9, <clears throat> look at verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now, appear, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should suffer, should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. They entered in with the blood of lambs. They entered in with the blood of goats as an atonement for sin. Verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. I've got to say this so you get what, what we're going at here. The Catholics, want, they, this is what they believe now. They believe that a priest literally turns a, a, a cracker. They call it the host. It, they believe that it turns into Christ. And they believe that their, their, their alcohol, wine is turned into the blood of Christ. And they re-crucify Christ every Mass to keep atoning their sin. This is what the Catholic Church puts out there. You say, that sounds odd. Yeah, because it's paganism. And paganism typically deals with some type of blood sacrifice. Um, A lot of times it's children. And we're just seeing a form of it here that is acceptable in our culture. So they've said, okay, we're going to turn this cracker and turn this, this wine into some, uh, we're going to re-crucify Christ, right. which flies in the face of the Bible. Right. How many times does Christ need crucified? How many times does he need to make an atonement for our sin? Once. Christ did it all on the cross. His sacrifice is sufficient. So when you go about saying, okay, I've got to take this cracker and I've got to take this wine, you're saying that Christ's shed blood is not enough. Look at this. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Amen. There it is. One time. Yeah. It's not a continual thing that you've got to continue to do. That's bondage of the Catholic Church. And people believe that if they miss Mass, now their sin is on them. It's wicked. It's vile. And the, the Bible cuts right through it. You show that to a Catholic, and most of them have not seen that. Most of them have no clue that's in the Bible. The Holy Spirit can use that. All right, real quick. Mormons. Mormons say that there's four gods. That's what they believe. They don't believe in the Trinity, that there's three in one. They think they're all separate gods and, and gods beneath and above Christ. They'll say anything, though. Yeah, they'll, they'll say anything. They yeah, they're, they're, they won't admit that. But you say, if you tell them, and I, I've done this before with Mormons, a lot of times they send young, young men out. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy. Um, I've done this with Mormons before. Um, they send out young men because they're easily moldable. And, and 
Lord, help me. They, they send out their young men, and they will sacrifice their entire life savings to send out their young men to give out their false gospel. While the Christians will save up all their money to send their kids out to a, a secular college. We've got it backwards. We've got it backwards. And because of their dedication, it convinces people of their false religion. That's really the attraction of Mormonism is that they are, they are so uh, convicted by their false doctrine. They're sincere, yeah. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, help me out here, one God. One Lord, sorry. <laughs> Let's try it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Let's try it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's one Lord. He's not a bunch of lords. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. One God, one Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. Period. He's not multiple. He's one Lord. Real quick, turn over in your Bible to just a couple chapters back, chapter 4. We'll go to verse 35. Unto these, unto these it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, and there is none else beside him. Amen. None else beside him. He's the only Lord. He's the only God. King of kings, Lord of lords. And that, that definitely hits Mormonism. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. How plain. That's right. There's one God, one Lord, one spirit. Amen. And anybody that wants to try to tell you that there's a bunch of separate gods is a liar. Another place to take him while you're in Ephesians, turn to Colossians real quick. This is what's happened to these false religions. A lot of Mormons fall right into this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. You talk to, uh, there's Mormons that you'll talk to that used to be Baptists. So they're like, yeah, I know everything you have to say. And sometimes they do. But they wanted something with discipline. They wanted something with sincerity. And their church wasn't sincere. And they weren't sincere with God. And so they wanted something that had some rigor to it. And they wanted something with some tradition. And they wanted something that had some philosophy to it. And masonry is so wrapped into Mormonism that there's all these different little chambers and neat stuff that the flesh clings to. And oh, I'm to the next level now. Right. And I'm somebody important now. And so now I can baptize, this is what Mormons do. They baptize live people for dead people. Right. Yeah. You get into man's tradition, you get all types of walkie. All right, 
Colossians chapter 2, we stick to the Bible, though, and the Bible has the power to free them. Colossians 2, verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. That's what we're doing this morning. We're establishing ourselves in the faith. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now look at this. Beware. Here's the other thing. Christians and churches, they don't listen to this verse right here. They don't think they have anything to beware of. They just go about their life. They don't worry about sinking their roots into the word of God. They don't think about, oh, you know, I need to be built up in the word of God. I'm good. And then when some false religion comes over and says, hey, I've got some really cool stuff to show you. And they sound all slick and they sound all smart. They root them right out. And he says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. They leave Christ alone, and they go into their works, their traditions, the things that make them feel great and good and all this stuff, and they leave Christ. And God tells Christians to beware lest any man spoil you. So you got a Mormon that is that is rooted up out of a Bible-believing church, and that happens quite frequently. You take him right here and say, look, have you left Christ? Have you been spoiled? And they say, oh, have you read the Book of Mormon? Turn to Galatians chapter 1. You knew we were going here. Verse 6, Galatians 1, 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. And that's what it is. You add works to your salvation like a Mormon believes you have to work for your salvation. They even go as far to say that as if you don't go to Utah to their temple to, to take part of their whole ceremony thing, that you will now be in a second level of, of purgatory. It's all the same garbage. It's all the same anti-spirit, anti-Christ spirit. That's what it is, all through it. So you'll see a lot of the same type of, of, of scripture that cuts against it will be good for a lot of different false religions. All right, so they're removed from the gospel. They're removed from the grace of Christ. And he marvels that they're removed. Verse 7, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. They pervert the gospel of Christ. They don't say the gospel of Christ is, is done and we're, we're done with it. Notice the Catholics claim Christ, right? The Mormons claim Christ. Judaism claims Christ. Jehovah's Witnesses claim Christ. They all claim Christ. What do they do? They pervert the gospel of Christ. And he tells them, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. They say, but an angel came down and talked to Joseph Smith. I don't argue that with them. You don't argue with them how lunatic Joseph Smith was. He was. He was a nut. You read about it. He was crazy. 
You go to the Bible with them. You show them the plain gospel that they don't need a mediator. You show them the plain gospel that Christ offered the sacrifice once and all for sin. And that Christ is a rock. You show them the gospel and you stick to the gospel. And when they try to add works to it, you take them here and say, look, you're perverting the gospel. Don't be a curse. Don't, don't be rooted out. I don't care if an angel came. Maybe an angel did come to Joseph Smith. Maybe an angel came and gave you some wicked vision. We talked to that Catholic lady in Yankton, and, and she had saw Jesus Christ, she said, in the host. And I'm not arguing that point with her. I, uh, did you argue that point with her? Nope. Didn't argue. It ain't worth arguing that point with her. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. God broke her out of that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. But don't argue with people's visions. Yeah. That's a waste of time. You'll get sidetracked. You stick to the Bible, stick to the gospel. So I'm not going to argue whether Joseph Smith saw a vision come down and had this great dream or whatever. I'm not going to argue that. But what I am going to stick to is the Bible and say that's a perversion of the gospel when you add works to salvation. And we don't believe the same thing. Right. You don't believe this Bible. Right. Then take him to Revelation chapter 22. And a lot of these, you, go, you can go to the same place here with, um, you run into a church of Christ, same thing. There you, go. you run into Jehovah Witness. I would like you you add first John five seven to that. Jehovah Witness. Yeah. Who don't believe Christ is God. Um, where are we going? Uh Revelation chapter twenty two. Revelation chapter twenty two. And we're about done here. Verse eighteen. For I testify unto you, unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. That's the Bible. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Which he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen, even so come Lord Jesus." What did you say Joseph Smith wrote? I don't care. He right. added to the word of God. Right. What did you say those other books of, of Maccabees and all that stuff was that the Catholics have? I don't care. Right. Don't add to the word of God. Amen. You stick to the Bible. Don't be, don't be intimidated by false religions. The only, thing, the only thing you should be concerned about with false religions is that your heart breaks for them to share the truth of the gospel Amen. with them. That's right. What was the other, the other verse you just mentioned about Oh, 1 John 5.7. We'll turn there real quick. 1 John 5.7. And in their Bibles, it won't be there, by the way. Which is why it's important you go to that verse right there to show them you do not add, nor do you take away from the word of God. That's what the Bible says. 
And so it's so important that you lift this Bible up when you're witnessing. It's so important that you magnify the Word of God as the authority. So important. Because it, this is what gets rid of false religion, not our intellect. First John 5, 7 says, for, these three, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among man. That's Jesus Christ. It's right there that they are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, in earth, the spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Amen. You try to take the, the, you take Jesus Christ and you turn him into just a man, you've perverted the gospel. That's right. And you go back to Galatians chapter 1 and show them what happens to a person that's perverted the gospel. God says, God says you're cursed. Yeah. Not me. That's what God says. One thing we'll address real quick before we close here. The Bible also says don't get into doubtful disputations. Amen. And you better mind the Holy Spirit. There's, there's scripture that says you answer, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise to his own conceits. And then he says, answer not a fool. According to his folly. That's right. You say, okay, which one's right? Both. Right. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't get in the flesh. If you get in the flesh, you hit your knees and you pray to God and, and repent and say, God, help me. I need help here. I got in my flesh. Help me. Right. And if you don't think the devil's going to entice you to get into your flesh arguing with, with some false religion, you're wrong. The devil will definitely try to bring you into a fight over intellect or over philosophy or over tradition, and, and they may win. Very, most of the time they will, honestly. Once you leave the Holy Spirit and you get into your flesh and you get to arguing with them, even if you're right and the Holy Spirit has left, you lost. You're no longer a messenger for Christ. So if the Holy Spirit convicts your heart, and he will at some point, and say, all right, it's time to move. 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 That's right. There may be somebody in the next house or down the road that needs the gospel, and the devil knows it, and it's going to hold you there for hours and drain everything out of you while the Holy Spirit has already left. Amen. And you're sitting there arguing. Yeah. What we don't want to do is sit there and argue with the devil. Yeah. You quote scripture. You, you get in your Bible. You use the sword. Your heart's broken for a lost sinner. And when, and when the Holy Spirit is done working with that person, you move on. Yeah. You move with the Holy Spirit. You listen to the Holy Spirit. Again, you're laborers with Christ. Amen. Don't you try to labor without Christ. Amen. Lord, help us. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your words. We thank you, Lord, that we can labor with you, Lord. We thank you. That blows my mind, Lord, that you would even consider laboring with me, Lord God. I'm so unworthy, Lord, to stand here. I'm so unworthy, Lord, to preach, Lord God. And yet you use us. And yet you labor with us, Lord God. Lord, if there's sin in my heart, Lord, and in my life, Lord God, show it to me, Lord. Don't let us pass by, Lord. Don't let us go out witnessing, Lord, with known sin, Lord God. Convict our hearts, Lord God, that we can be vessels meet for the master's use, Lord God. Lord, we need you to witness. We need you, Lord, to labor with you. 
Lord God, help us not to get in the flesh over false religions, Lord God. Help us not to get in a carnal mind to try to win some philosophical argument, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to mind you and to obey you, Lord. We want the old path of obedience, Lord God. When you say move on, that we move on. When you say to stay and and to talk with people, Lord God, help us to stay and talk, Lord, with a heart that's broken for a lost sinner, Lord. That's been bound by false religions, Lord, and perverted gospels, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, our country needs you desperately, Lord God. This area right here, Lord God, the people of Dixon, Lord, the people in these, in these, these, down these dirt roads, Lord, need you, Lord God. The people of St. Robert's, Lord, need you. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'd use this this tent revival meeting, Lord, to bring glory and honor to you, Lord. And we, Lord, we pray that we be obedient to you. We pray, Lord, that we consistently throughout the day, Lord, to just walk with you. That's what we want to do. Lord, Lord, we can't be a witness if we're not walking with you, Lord. We want to just walk hand in hand with you, Lord, and have you teach us and show us the way, Lord. Help us, Lord, to hold on to the truth of your words, Lord God, and to hide it into our hearts, Lord, to know how to yield this sword. Lord God, your word is powerful. It's so powerful it can cut through any false religion, Lord God. Lord, help us to love it like we ought to. Help us to hide it in our hearts like we ought to and study it and love it and learn it, Lord God. May the message never get old to us, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to give us a burden, Lord. Renew our burden for this area. Renew our burden for lost sinners, Lord God. Lord, bring, bring about our hearts to cause us to weep for sinners that are going to hell, Lord. Lord, don't pass us by this morning. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.